Hey, everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Hey, today we are in the final week of our four-week fall series called What We Believe. How many of you, this series has been a blessing to you, challenged you, brought some life to you, praise God. Well, we're looking at the four essential beliefs of our church. I've said it before, we have a lot of things that we believe. We have a lot of things that we have passion and convictions about. But these four essential beliefs, we say as a church, uh, we, we, are, we are committed to and we're, we're not gonna move from as a, as a congregation, as a church, you can commit or you can count on the fact that LifePoint Church believes these four things for sure. Uh, before I talk about those again, I, I do wanna encourage every one of you, especially if you've never been through our Next Steps class. This is... If you, if you grew up in the church world, maybe you've heard it called a membership class. It's not really a membership class as much as like acclimating you to the life and the body of this church, also helping you find the gifts that God's put in you. But in our Next Steps class, it meets after every service at our Rossview campus, or excuse me, during our, our, our second, third, and fourth service at our Rossview campus, it meets after service at Austin P. During this class, you can hear about our history, vision, values, also how we handle finances, our governance, all of those things are here. And we talk about our essential beliefs as well. So today is week four in our What We Believe series. And it's a look at these four essential beliefs. So far, we've said we believe the Bible is true. We believe Jesus is God forever. We believe you must be born again. That was last week's message. And today we're looking at the final talk. It is we believe you can live a spirit-led life. You can live a spirit-led life. How many of you thankful for the Holy Spirit in your life, everybody? Today's message is probably gonna be one of my favorite truths to teach about, and I'm gonna get real nerdy on the front end. I wanna give you a ton of scripture because we've established we believe the Bible's true, amen? And so I wanna show you from scripture kind of this meta-narrative, this big story of God's plan for his spirit to live in you and to lead you and to have uh, lordship in you. But... Uh, it's one of my favorite truths to talk about. And honestly, I'm afraid it's, it's very overlooked by many Christians. And for a lot of reasons, it could be baggage, it could be what you experienced in other churches, it could be discomfort. But I think that in the Bible Belt especially, we tend to have a really high view of God the Father. And then we have this fraternal and relational kind of bro view of God the Son, which honestly is not, it's not fair because he is God eternal and, and he's not your boy, he's not your homie. He's your God, your master, your king, your righteous judge. But anyway, so we have this high view of God the Father, this gray-haired judger, and then we got this fraternal view of Jesus the Son who kind of gets you out of jail free all the time. And then many in the church world are generally either unclear or uncomfortable about God the Holy Spirit. Let me just remind you some of the things we've said. We believe in God the Father, we believe in God the Son, we believe in God the Spirit. They are three distinct persons and one as a Trinitarian Godhead. We've seen that throughout the scripture and we believe that they are all co-equally eternal and all powerful and they are working always in concert and in harmony with one another and they deeply love you and wanna work in your life, okay? And I, 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 I'm gonna say this again later. God the Father expresses his love for you, God the Son, gave his life for you, God the Spirit lives in you. 
Do you understand that? God the Father loves you more, like so much that he gave his only son. Like we know that. God the Father loves you. God the Son saves you. God the Spirit fills you, baptizes you, empowers you, equips you. There is no Christianity without the Holy Spirit. There's no Christianity without God the Father and God the Son. This is the view that we have as a church. And so today, I wanna challenge you to let's walk through God's word together and let's see what God's word has to say about your best friend, your comforter, the one who convicts you of sin and righteousness, how not only to not sin, but how to live right. Let's, let's look together about what God says about the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of a believer. You're not a Christian without the Holy Spirit sealing your salvation and taking up residence on the inside of you. you on, listen to this, you only have confidence to pray because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, allowing you to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have ever pay, prayed for someone to be healed, it's because you believe that God still heals and that's a gift of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So I just wanna encourage you today, like we wanna have a, a bigger, more robust theology on the Holy Spirit, but more than just thinking right about the Holy Spirit, more than just believing correctly about the Holy Spirit, we want to experience God the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen from somebody? I want us to be open and excited about the reality of God the Spirit living in us, filling us, baptizing us, empowering us, gifting us with miraculous gifts, and God the Holy Spirit bearing much fruit in our lives. I don't know about you, but like if I was an apple tree, I wanna be the most beautiful apple tree. If I'm an orange tree, I wanna be the most fruitful orange tree. There's actually a story, Jesus tells a parable about a farmer who's got a, a fig tree and it wasn't producing. And the farmer walks by and sees this fig tree out of fruit and he goes, chop that tree down. And the, the, the farm hand comes to him and says, hey, give me a year. Give me a year with that tree. And here's what he says, let me throw some manure on it and work it and see in a year if it doesn't bear fruit. And if it bears fruit, we'll keep it. And if it doesn't, we'll chop it down. And Jesus is actually, I just read this parable this week, actually, uh, three days ago. That Jesus is actually giving us a story like some of our lives don't bear fruit for him. And some of us, if we're not careful, we're at risk of being cut out of the kingdom of God. That's, those are God's words. I want you to understand this. These are the Lord's words. But here's what the, 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 the farmhand, in this case, it's Christ, would say for you on your behalf, give me a year to throw some poop on it. Give me a year to work that tree and see some fruit in it. Let me tell you something, God wants so desperately for you to bear fruit in the spirit, fruit of the Holy Spirit, like the evidence of God in your life. And so today's message is, is a challenge for us to not only just believe it, but be open and say, welcome Holy Spirit, like have your way in my life, bear fruit in me. Anybody else want that kind of life besides me? I feel like I'm up here real excited and y'all are feeling real early, you know, like help out your pastor. I got a lot to say, let's jump right in. First of all, the Bible says, God the Holy Spirit will be in you. Many of us have this outside view of God. He's apart from us. He's kind of this misty figure at the church across town. No, 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 I, you have to understand, God the Holy Spirit would live on the inside of you, dwell in you, cult, like have relationship with you. We've taught for years, invite Jesus into your heart. Well, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father praying for you. It's invite the Holy Spirit to take up residence in your heart and in your life. Let me just start here with some Bible theology. I'm gonna give you a lot of scriptures and we're gonna walk through them quickly because I wanna get into the how and what do we do now? 
And remember, we started this series with we believe the Bible's true, so let's look at the scripture. We're gonna see what the word says throughout the Old Testament. We're gonna see the words of Jesus about the Holy Spirit. So write these down. First, it starts in the beginning of your Bible. Genesis chapter one, verse one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you remember, when we taught on this two weeks ago, when we said Jesus is God forever, we said this, this word for God in the Hebrew is the word Elohim, which is a plural majesty, Godhead. It's God the Father, Son, and Spirit. In, in verse 26, we see where God said, let us make mankind in our image. So we have this plural majestic Godhead, and we believe it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in the beginning, God the Trinitarian majestic Godhead created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And here's the first time the Holy Spirit's mentioned. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So I just want you to understand, Colossians says that everything was through Christ, everything was created through Jesus. He was there at present at creation. And so was the Holy Spirit hovering over the whole thing. I just, man, one day when we're in heaven, I wanna ask God, I got a whole collection of films I wanna watch. And this is one of them. I wanna see God the Father speaking and and God the Son implementing and God the Spirit overseeing it all and the three of them going, isn't this amazingly fun? Isn't this great? And then they build y'all and they go, let's make something really special, right? So we see the Holy Spirit present at creation. There's no creation story without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And remember God's, highest creation is mankind, to be intimate and holy with him. And we fell into sin. So God sets a plan into motion. He says, I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna reconnect them to me. And he starts by by guiding us, the scripture says, by giving us a law. He gives us kings and judges and prophets in the Old Testament. the, the, The story of the Old Testament is God's people under an old covenant, right? That's directed by law and you behave right. And you, you, you have a priest as an intermediary, but that God realized would not change their heart. So God began leaking promises and prophecies and he began leaking the plan and why the law would bring us to the fulfillment of this plan. If you read in Ezekiel 36, I gave you this last week, God said, I will give you a new heart because the law doesn't change your heart. The rules don't make you a better person. Having a good prophet or a good king, hello, having the right president or Sunday school teacher doesn't make you better. You need the spirit of God on the inside of you. So God says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove from you a heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And then he says, I will put my spirit within you. It's not just your spirit changes, your spirit gets replaced by the spirit of God himself. Listen to this. God says, I will put my spirit within you. This is why Paul says in Romans that our spirit is is synced with the Holy Spirit of God. Like it seals our relationship with the Father when our spirit bears witness with his spirit. Are you hearing me, everybody? So here's the leak of God's plan. He says, I'll put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I'll cause you to be careful to obey my rules. It's not just you behaving right. It's God helping you behave in a way that pleases him. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. You'll be my people and I will be your God. And it's not because of your heritage, your birth, your rules, or you just doing your best to be a better person. It's because God's come inside of you. Can you imagine being the audience that Ezekiel is sharing this with? Going, that's nothing like what we're living in. 
That's nothing like go to the temple, sacrifice an animal, keep the rules, eat kosher, get out of town when you're bleeding. Like that's a whole terrible way of life. It was not meant to change your heart in the old covenant. That's why we don't advocate for you to live by the law now because it doesn't change your heart and it doesn't please God more because you're super obedient to the Old Testament law. God's leaked plan was, oh yeah, part of what I'm gonna do to change it all is not just Jesus, but it's my spirit in him. Hundreds of years before that in Joel, chapter two, God speaks through the prophet Joel and he's giving a messianic promise about after Christ, would, after Messiah would come and look what he says. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit. I want y'all to mark this text right here, Joel two, just put a little asterisk on your notes. I will pour out my spirit. Now, now the way the Holy Spirit worked in the old covenant was God would, would like, moved by his spirit on a person, he would come onto a person, he would empower a person for a moment, but then he would leave that person. But here God says through the prophet Joel, in those days I will pour out. Could you imagine just God, this giant bucket of himself, and he's going, I'm pouring it out. You know when you pour something out, it stays where it was poured. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And look what he says here, ladies, I want you to see this especially. Your sons and your daughters, shall prophesy. The old covenant was a male dominated, men are prophets, men are priests. And God's going, no, we're gonna flip that script too because men and women will prophesy and preach. Ladies, get your preach on, come on now, tell the gospel. Tell somebody about Jesus. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Fellas, I wanna tell you something. I want you, and ladies, I want you like asking God to give you dreams and vision and ideas in the kingdom of God. It's part of being spirit-led and spirit-filled people. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Even on male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. God said, he's leaking the plan here throughout the Old Testament through these prophecies, and he's going, there's a day coming where I'm not gonna just dribble my spirit, I'm gonna dump it on them. I'm gonna fill them with it, and it's not gonna be gender-specific, it's not gonna be male patriarchy, it's gonna be all flesh, all people, and they're all gonna preach my message. The Holy Spirit of God is for all who belong to Jesus. I want you to mark this text, Joel 2, because it comes up later in the new covenant. But let's go to Jesus. In Matthew chapter three, Jesus goes in for his baptism. And you know, John is preaching a baptism of repentance from sin. And Jesus, the sinless one, comes to be baptized. Now, does anybody else think that's an oxymoron? Jesus is coming into the water for a baptism of repentance for a sin he's never committed. And Jesus comes to him and, and John the baptizer says, you should be baptizing me. What are you doing getting in the water? And Jesus, he goes, this isn't about my repentance. This is about all righteousness. I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. And he set a model for all of us. By the way, if you've not been baptized in water as a Christian, be baptized next Sunday. Be baptized because it follows the model of our master, Jesus Christ, who was baptized, right? So in Matthew 3, Jesus, uh, John the baptizer is like setting up his baptism message, right? And he tells the people, he says, listen, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance from your sin. You guys need to be washed of your sin, but it wasn't forgiveness of sins forever. It was just instead of a bull, we're gonna wash you in the water. But watch what he says. <clears throat> but he who is coming after me is mightier than I am. And he's not saying he who's chasing after me. <laughs> if you read this out of context, you think John's like on the run and somebody's chasing him. He's saying he who comes and preaches, prophesies, and, and leads the way after I'm done. He's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. 
Look at what he says about Jesus. He will baptize you. He will pour out on you. He will submerge you. That's what baptism is, it's submersion. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire power from God. Listen, this is, this is world changing for John the baptizer to say this. No one outside of Joel, Ezekiel, some prophets, no one's talking like this. It's been hundreds of years since we had a prophetic witness by the time John the baptizer comes on the scene. And no one's been talking like this for centuries. And John's going, hey, time's coming, guys. Get ready, saddle up. Can you imagine how exciting these people would have been? How exciting these days would have been? And so John is telling the story and the language is about total immersion in the spirit, total immersion in the power of God himself, in the presence of God, the fire of God. It's a prophetic promise given about what's gonna happen because of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will totally consume you and totally fill you and totally submerge you and empower you. Listen to this, how Jesus said it in John 14. Y'all get anything yet? Come on, y'all loving this? The Bible's good, isn't it, everybody? Okay, John 14, Jesus is teaching this command and then he goes right into the Holy Spirit. Watch what he says. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I just wanna pause here. Many of you have heard me say this, but for anyone who's new, so many of us read this verse through a legalistic view. We go, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's how we raise our kids. If you love me, you'll do what I say. Or we tell our spouse, you say you love me, why don't you do what I say? And so we make this a, 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 a statement of judgment and a statement of rules. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And, and I believe the tone of Jesus here is saying, if you'll love me, you'll keep the commandments. Don't worry about the commandments first. You worry about loving me. That goes way more in step with all of his teachings about seek first the kingdom of God. He never said seek first the rules and keeping them obediently. What he's saying is if you'll come and just love me and walk with me and be with me, the commandments will follow. How many of you know it's, it's hard to violate Jesus' words when you're so in love with him, right? So that's his tone. He's saying, if you'll just love me, come on, come with me, follow me, be with me, love me, you'll keep the commandments. Then he says, and then I will ask the Father. Here's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all in one text. For some of you that are like, I don't believe in the Trinity. Okay, well, here it is. I don't know why you say it like that in my mind, but anyway. God says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice John put helper in capital H, which is a proper pronoun here, right? I will give you another helper, proper noun, proper title, to be with you forever. Why? Because Jesus is leaving. He said this multiple times throughout the gospel. I will die for the sins of the world. I will be put to death. I will be uh, crucified. I'll raise again, and I'll be going to the right hand of the Father. He says, if you'll love me, guys, listen, here's the, here's the exchange. If you will draw into Jesus, if you will love God the Son and love God the Father, look what he says, then, then you'll begin keeping my commandment. You'll start living for me. And watch what Jesus says. And I'll go to the Father for you. and He's gonna send you a helper who will be with you forever. Notice, he'll be with you forever. In the old covenant, he would come on you and come off you. He would come on you and come off you. But now he's saying he's gonna be with you forever. And then he names him the spirit of truth. Whom the world can't, these are my parentheses, by the way. Whom the world cannot receive, not my content, but my parentheses, so you kind of feel how the tone of it is. Whom the world can't receive. Christians don't have, non-Christians don't have the Holy Spirit. Have you ever known people that say, I'm not really religious, I'm spiritual? I always go, well, what spirit are you talking about? Not as a jab, it's a sincere question. I don't need to go to church to follow God, I'm a spiritual person, what spirit? Because the only spiritual person I want to be about is the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. 
The Holy Spirit is not your conscience. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not just how you feel. The Holy Spirit is the helper sent from the Father. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That's why you can get 10 people in the room and say, well, I'm led by the Spirit, I'm just following my Spirit, and they'll all believe different things. But the Holy Spirit of God is a spirit of truth. And he points to Jesus, he points to the word of God and the will of God and the way of God, right? Whom the world can't receive. The world cannot, the world does not have the Holy Spirit. You cannot have the Holy Spirit without belief in Jesus. I want you guys to understand this. And so it doesn't matter to me what world religion people believe is super spiritual and whether it's through, uh, you know, smoking some things or taking some trips or whatever. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter what other spirits there are called demonic spirits and non-truthful spirits, Right? The world can't receive the spirit. Why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Why? Because he dwells with you. Look at this. He dwells with you and he dwells in you. This is the great exchange I've been waiting to talk about. No longer do we have a distant God with a bunch of laws and rules on tablets. Because of Christ Jesus, God the Son, giving his life, dying and raising from the dead, Jesus just said, I'm gonna leave. In fact, he goes on to say in John 16, he says it like this, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, I don't know about you, but like we're, we're very Jesus-centric here. We're Christians, we love Jesus, right? And, and all of you, if you're honest, if Jesus came to LifePoint today and was up here preaching and hanging out with us in the lobby, you'd go, don't go, don't go, don't go. Don't leave. And Jesus says, I'm only in one place in time right now. Like I can't, I have to go. And then why? He goes, it's to your advantage that I go away. And the the disciples were like, you can't leave us, Jesus. We've waited for you for centuries. We've been hearing in Ezekiel and and Joel and Isaiah, all these prophecies about you. And they would push on Jesus, say, you're gonna establish your kingdom on earth and you're gonna rule from Jerusalem. Jesus would say, I'm not staying here forever. And here's where he tells us why. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, notice that capital H again that John gives us, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. This is this switch, this is like the tag, anybody into wrestling tag team? Okay. If I don't come, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, here it is, I will send him to you. Notice in the last text, Jesus said, I'll pray to the Father to send him. And now Jesus is saying, I will send him, which shows us again the concert and harmony of purpose and heart that the Father, Son, and the Spirit have, that they're saying, we're sending the Spirit to you. I will send him to you, and when he comes, look what the Holy Spirit will do. He will convict the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. Sometimes we only know conviction from other Christians. Listen, Christians, you are not the spiritual gifted judge of the the world. It ain't your gift of the Holy Ghost, I promise you. It's the Holy Ghost's gift to convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Here's what that means. The Holy Spirit will convict you when you're messing up, And he'll also compel you to do right because he lives in you, because he's on the inside of you. Did you hear me? Not because the book says, not because the rules on the wall say, and not because some judgmental Christians are going to judge me if I don't. No, no, no. It's the spirit on the inside. Jesus says, this is better for you. I... Jesus, oh man, Jesus came to give his life, to die, to pay a ransom to God himself for our sins. But that was it. The Holy Spirit didn't go to the cross for you. God the Son went to the cross for you. And the advantage is 
Now that he's with the Father praying for us, Hebrews says, interceding on our behalf as an advocate to the Father for us every time we mess up, it's the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us, the same Spirit that was at creation. Paul would write later in one of his letters, he says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is who dwells in you richly. And what does he do? He convicts us. He's our helper. The previous text, he teaches us truth. He convicts us when we sin. He convicts us to do more right. And he convicts us about his judgment, hello, and not about the judgment of other Christians. He says in verse 13, and when the spirit of truth comes, look at this, he will guide you into all the truth. Remember what Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And guess who the Holy Spirit loves to talk about? Jesus, the truth of God. He will guide you to Jesus. So you ask the question, how do I live for Jesus better? Be full of the Holy Spirit. Welcome Holy Spirit. Live with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Is this making sense, everybody? I'm trying to paint like the theological like story of what happened through this great plan of God. We think it's all about Jesus, 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 death, burial, resurrection. That's the center point that changed everything, but now the Spirit is who we live with and under the influence of and for. And he's all, they're all in relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from the Father, from the Son, that's what he talks about. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says, for he'll take what's mine and he'll declare it to you. You wanna know how to get closer to Jesus? Get closer to the Holy Spirit. I just want you to see the language here. Write this down, the Holy Spirit's your helper. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Never did Jesus call the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the, the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is sent to us by the Father. He's sent to us by the Son. He convicts us of sin, wrong living. He convinces us of righteousness, right living. And he convicts us of judgment. He guides us into truth. Never conf- Can I tell you, when there's confusion, it's not from God. Scripture says God's not the author of confusion, but of peace. It's never confusion. He'll never lead you to sin. The Spirit will never lead you to sin. Never. Please don't blame the Holy Spirit because your flesh is at work. Here's here's one of the ways we do that. We go, well, I prayed about it, and I didn't hear a no from the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear a no from God. Yeah, he wrote about that one a couple thousand years ago. He don't need to talk to you about it. Just go read it. You're like, you don't need it. (laughs) I mean, I've had people say the craziest thing and blame the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you one? I, I probably shouldn't. I won't. No, that's fine. Just trust me. He will guide you into truth. Never confusion, never sin. He glorifies Jesus, and he helps us glorify Jesus. He only speaks what Jesus is saying. I, I want you to understand something. That's who lives in you. So, so here's a good litmus test for us. How are we doing bearing fruit for the Holy Spirit? Because these are the things that he does. He helps, convicts, guides into truth, teaches us about Jesus, leads us to Jesus. How are we doing? And I think part of our, us, we have baggage about the Holy Spirit because we're just not clear. So I'm trying to bring clarity today. So then it happens. Like the gospels, the, the prophecies, the gospels happen. Jesus talks about it and then it happens. Jesus died. He resurrects. He spends 40 days with the disciples And as he's leaving to ascend to the right hand of the Father, he says, stay in Jerusalem, and watch this. He goes, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about for centuries, wait. 
So 120 of the disciples, men and women, are gathered in an upper room for days after Christ's ascension. And in Acts chapter two, we have this story. Remember what Joel said? I'll pour out my spirit. Acts chapter two, we have this amazing pouring out of the spirit of God. This is what we've been waiting on for, as a human race. We've been waiting on it since Genesis three, the Garden of Eden. And the spirit rushes through this place. And look, it's like never before in the Bible, the spirit moved. And it says that he fell on them. He didn't just pop in and go, hey, you know, he fell on them. And it says he, he, he came on them like tongues of fire resting on them. Holy Spirit and fire. Remember when Jesus, John the Baptist said that? And they began to speak in tongues, in languages they didn't know. There was a gathering of thousands of people from around the known world at the time, from all these different language groups. And now these 120 apostles and disciples are speaking in languages they didn't know to do what? To preach the gospel to all these people, to declare the wonders of God. And the people, like the religious folks, of course, the first group that were weirded out by the Holy Spirit start speaking up. And they go, these people are drunk. It's not even noon yet, you know, and they're cracking on them for, and then Peter shuts the whole thing down and then he starts preaching. Remember how Joel said, your sons and daughters will prophesy? Watch this. G, John, uh, Peter says in Acts 2, 16, he says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Remember when I told you to star that text? He says, in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, your sons and daughters will prophesy. He goes, this is the thing that we've been waiting hundreds of years for through the prophet Joel. And he goes on to preach this amazing gospel presentation. I encourage you to go read it. I gotta get through this message. But in Acts 2.37, it says, when they, this crowd, heard the gospel for the first time ever, the full gospel empowered of the Holy Spirit was preached to a bunch of people who were skeptical and hearing it for the first time ever. It says, when they heard it, they were cut to the heart. What did God say? I'll write it on their heart. I'll change their heart. I'll take a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. The power of a spirit-empowered gospel is it changes people's hearts. Watch this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? Man, what a great question. And Peter said, repent, repent of religion, repent of sin, repent of your way of following God. And he says, and be baptized, be immersed into the family of God, be immersed into the Holy Spirit, be immersed into water, be baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And look at this, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's later. He said, just receive the gift. Genesis 3 was the beginning of this promised gift that's coming. Anybody ever have a gift that's been promised to you for a long time? Man, one day I'm gonna buy you this thing. Or one day, honey, I'm gonna get you that house on the hill. You ever had a gift that was just promised to you for a long time? Centuries and centuries and centuries ago, God said, I'm gonna do this. And Peter goes, receive it. By faith, notice he doesn't say, work your way up to it, hustle and grind, be a better you. Why am I dancing right now? He doesn't do any of that. He says, receive it. It starts with repent, believe this, and receive it. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here it is, ah, this is for us. For this promise is for all of you, and it's for your kids, and it's for everyone who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. The Holy Spirit is the promised gift for you. If you've ever had baggage around the Holy Spirit, 
You got to get over that. You got to trust that God has this gift for you. It's the gift that God has promised to everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have to be a receiver of the Holy Spirit. My God, my God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God for giving your full self to me. Thank you, God, for baptizing us, for filling us for this great gift, not just of salvation, but of saved living because you live on the inside of me. Come on. So the Christian life is a spirit-led life. There's no Christianity without the Holy Spirit. And if you confess Jesus as Lord of your life and you don't look like in like fragrance off a fruit-bearing life of the Holy Spirit, have you really received Jesus? Because this is the plan of God for you. You not only receive your salvation, but you welcome the Holy Spirit as the gift of God in you. Come on. There's so much I can preach about the Holy Spirit. Clearly, I'm a little fired up. I gotta finish this sermon because I wanna pray. I wanna pray. Romans 5, 6, 7, deal a lot with our flesh. What's the fight about the spirit? And some people think, well, it's, it's either God the Holy Spirit or God the, or the devil on our shoulders. Tom and Jerry have taught us terrible theology. The devil is not the bad equal to God. It's not yin and yang. The devil's just a little created angel that got stupid and twisted and he's like, shouldn't even be your concern. I'm gonna tell you your greatest battle against living by the spirit is you. Paul says, your flesh is your greatest enemy to live by the Spirit. You know why? Garden of Eden, because we want to be God. The greatest challenge you'll have to live a life in the Spirit is you. So what do we do with that? Romans 8. You need to read Romans 5, 6, 7 in order, and then go look at Romans 8. Because we do the things we don't want to do. We don't do the things we want to do, Paul says. I'm fighting my flesh all the time. But he says, but now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Here's what that means. You no longer have to be judged and give an offering of a bull because Jesus is the bull for you. He's the one that was judged and offered up for you. So you're no longer standing condemned as children of God. Watch this. For those who are in Christ, you're not condemned. It doesn't mean keep doing foolish things. It just says, hey, don't get all spun up in your guilt and condemnation about it. Here's the promise for you. For the law of the spirit, there it is again, the spirit, the law of the spirit has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Here's what that's saying. You're not who you used to be. You've been set free from your old self. And the law of sin and death, that's all a consequence and you better behave right and you better get your act together. That whole law of sin and death, you've been set free from that. So don't be condemned when you blow it in the rule book. Don't be condemned when you make mistakes. You've been set free for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do. What is that? Change of heart. Watch this. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live, here it is, according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, you gotta live according to the spirit. Set their minds on the things of the spirit. This is the great exchange. We no longer live according to the rules, the law, our flesh, our impulses, my upbringing, my racist background, my sin nature, my I was born this way, my politic. We don't live by any of those things. We don't please God by keeping the law or keeping the rules or trying our best or being our best or doing our best or being a better person. 
because of God's promises, because of the gospel of Jesus, because Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit's come on our behalf. He's come to dwell in us, to live among us, to live with us, and to live on the inside of us, to convict us of sin and righteousness, to guide us into all truth, to be our advocate, our comforter, our soon, our, our healer, our gift. Listen, so my last question that I gotta ask from the scripture, and I can talk about this literally a 10-week series, but Paul writes in, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, when they're wrestling with their sin and they say they're Christians and they're living like heathens. He asks them this in 1 Corinthians 6. He goes, do you not know that your body, I want everyone to look at this scripture on this wall right here. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Listen, the tone of this is not, don't you know? The tone of this for Paul was, don't you think this way? Don't you know this all the time? That everywhere you go, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit. You're not just a good Jesus follower, you're also a Holy Spirit house. Like he dwells in you, he lives in you. Do you not know this? That's the tone of Paul in this text. And that's the question that I want us to end with today. Do you not know this? Do you not live this way every day? Do you not think all the time? Now listen, this can easily become some kind of righteous rule or religious you know, experiment. Don't go there. Here's what I want you to do every day. I want you to know that God lives in me. The God who created God who spoke through those prophets, that God, the Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead, he lives on the inside of me. He controls me. He, he leads me. He guides me. He convicts me. He changes me. He works miracles through me. He fills me. He brings me peace. He bears fruit in me. So don't you know that? And I want to invite you with some very practical final steps. And I... I don't, I don't have time to put them all on the screen, so just write this down. We need to cultivate a life in the Spirit. That means we have a regular prayer life and, and we read this, the Word and we study God. We need to have personal times of worship to cultivate a life in the Spirit. Not just because a Sunday band came together and led you in singing. We need to cultivate a life in the Spirit. Do you not know this? And I'm, I'm not being condescending here, just hear me as your pastor. We need to think this way. We need this. Cultivate a life in the spirit. Surrender your flesh to the Holy Spirit. Be a part of the body of Christ. Remember what Jesus said? The spirit of God will dwell in you and among you. This is why you need to be in a small group. This is why you need to go to church. Finally, if you guys in the back can help me with point number four, then we'll see the evidence of a life in the spirit. We'll see the evidence of it. It's, it's, it's a fruited life. How do you know what kind of tree you're looking at? By the fruit that's on it, right? I have a garden. It's almost time to go, but it's still bearing a little bit of fruit. And any seven-year-old, any four-year-old could walk up to my garden and know what's planted there. Not because of the plants and the stalks or because they were there when I planted it, because they look at the fruit of it. Oh, there's tomatoes there and there's cucumbers. Finally, there's bell peppers. 
Here's what happens as a result of you just living yielded to the Spirit. You begin to bear fruit of the Spirit. You start looking like Jesus, because that's all he talks about. You start bearing fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You start bearing the greatest fruit of all, love for God and love for people. I'll never understand spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians who are just mean as a snake. Like, I, don't know, I don't know what kind of spirit you're following there, but God's spirit is nice. And hey, part of the evidence of that too is you'll start being gifted by his spirit. You'll start laying hands on the sick and they'll get well. You'll start prophesying the word of God to people. You'll grow in your faith. So I, I want us to cultivate a life in the spirit. You'll have the peace of God that passes understanding and you'll love like God calls us to love. Can I ask everyone around the room to stand? We're gonna take just a couple minutes and I, I hope today was helpful for you. It, it's a lot of scripture, but I, I want you to see this big story of what God has for you. And, and Peter says, this is the gift of God for you. So I wanna ask everybody in the room, please don't leave. Just let's open our hands like we're gonna receive a gift from God. At every location, at every campus, come on, let's open our hands like we're gonna receive this gift from God. Let me pray over you. And I want you to begin to pray, lift up your own voice and pray with me. But first thing I wanna say is, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place. Come fill these people. Come move upon us, Lord God. The Spirit of the living God, come arrest our hearts. Come fill us. Come dwell on the inside of us. Come live in us. Come gift us and empower us today to the glory of the Father in the name of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God, that you would come upon us right now. Come on, would you begin to ask the Lord to fill you? Come on, ask the Lord to fill you. Say, God, the Spirit, would you fill me today? Would you fill me by your Holy Spirit? Would you baptize me today? Come on, open your hands like you're receiving the gift of God for you, for your children, for everyone who's far off that would believe in Christ. Ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit today. God, would you baptize your people today? And we receive you by faith. We thank you, Lord, that this is the great exchange that you've promised for centuries, that you would live on the inside of us, you would dwell in us, you would fill us, you would pour out your spirit on us, you would guide us into truth, you would gift us by your Holy Spirit. The fruit of God would bear fruitful in us. And we receive you by faith today. God, it's because of our faith in Jesus that we have any confidence at all to receive the Holy Spirit. Can everybody pray this with me? Say, God, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for me, raised from the dead to offer me new life and has given me the Holy Spirit of God sent by the Father, sent by the Son to dwell with me on the inside of me. Now say this, say, God, the Spirit leads me, convicts me, guides me, fills me, baptizes me. Say, I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.